Yo, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Max McCoy. Today's guest, he's probably trained uh, whoever your favorite NBA player is, he's probably trained him. He's worked with people like Kyrie Irving, Carmelo Anthony. Uh, he actively learns from Kobe Bryant. We talk about that. He's even denied Kobe Bryant's call. Can you imagine getting a call from Kobe Bryant and denying it? <laughs> we uh, we talked about that little fun story and so much more. Dude, this is one of my favorite conversations. Alex is a really cool dude, super humble, uh, but there's no accident as to why he got to where he is today. He literally works with the best athletes in the world, and we talk about how he got there, what's it like, what's his thought process now that he's there, and, and what he hopes to do from, you know, he's basically at the top, now what? And we talk about that, and I'm not at competitive basketball player anymore i'm not a skills trainer but i took so much away from this conversation as a young professional trying to find my way and trying to do really good work uh, and trying to touch people along the way and that's kind of alex's vibe we talk in depth about that i want to keep this intro short let's get right into it this conversation was sick alex is a great dude i hope you enjoyed as much as i did enjoy my conversation with nba skills trainer alex what's up my man much man having it thanks for doing this yeah i appreciate you having me it's been a, a cool summer for you yeah it's been uh it's been interesting yeah uh we start with in march we kind of get things rolling with our off season in terms of knowing who's going to be with us and you know who won't be with us so you know the winter is a lot of people don't understand what makes this time the most gratifying for me is all the build-up and all the preparation that we do during the winter time so it's watching a lot of film. It's seeing what players we might have, what players we might not have. So there's a lot of, of film that I go through on certain players that I never even end up working with. Oh, really? Yeah. So you don't really know until the last second because... How do you have a gauge of who you're going to have coming in? You don't. You yeah. have no idea because this... I mean, the whole industry in terms of what players are signing with what agency, it's all dependent on that who I work with with pre-draft. So my pre-draft process is set up primarily through Rock Nation. So Rock Nation, of course, has a list of targets that they go after. Some of those meetings I'm in on, other meetings I'm not. Um, so it's like you think you have this kid, and the last second he ends up somewhere else. And then you might get another kid that you're not prepared for, and then you have to kind of like quickly do all your homework and, and make sure you're, you're ready when they when they walk in the door. And what they're... That's a weird business. For yeah. me, I'm a, I can imagine myself, man. If I didn't know who I'm interviewing, say, months in advance, and then yeah. all of a sudden, that would disperse some like, Anxious feeling. <laughs> super, I've super. gotten pretty good at like just going with the flow and allowing things to kind of unfold. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've I've been doing this now for for three or four years, so I I know that as soon as you expect something to happen, it usually doesn't, and then vice versa. There's some great things that come through the door, and you never would have expected it to happen. So um, I think it's it's just being prepared all around, and I think watching film on every different kind of athlete and player and system. Um, has made me more of a complete trainer. So I'm usually prepared. It doesn't really matter what wrench is thrown in there. I'm usually prepared to kind of adjust and go from there. Yeah, you've said, I mean, three to four years, it's long, but it's not that long. So you're just kind of getting started. So this is cool that we get to talk because in five years from now, you'll be in a maybe whole different place. Right. So how does this this summer compare to kind of last summer? It seems like you've been doing similar work, but did it really take off kind of like feels as if you've almost arrived from the outside looking in at least? I felt like I built up a lot of momentum last summer. Yeah. Um, and it was tough because, you know, last year it was really, really tough for me from a mental standpoint, from a personal standpoint. It was probably the toughest year of my life wow. all around. 
Um, I went through a divorce really? and then I lost my best friend. So, and that was all in a matter of four months. So you, I lost literally two best friends within the matter of four months. Obviously one being my wife and the other one being my, my best friend that I, you know, had since freshman year of college. So, um, you know, a lot of people don't understand. They, they take this big macro view of seeing my social media or seeing who I'm with or seeing who I train and they're like, man, this life is amazing and this is what I want. And they didn't realize behind the scenes when you kind of peel back the layers, there was a lot mentally and emotionally I was going through. Um, so I, I kind of used I used basketball basketball and I used my passion for for what it is to kind of escape. You know that was that was kind of like even even when I was in high school or grade school, whenever I needed to just get away, it would just be me and a, and a basketball and a hoop. And in a sense, that was kind of the same thing for me during that during that rough time. Man, I I similarly I lost a friend this year. And lost a girlfriend. So it's so different. It's a micro version of what you went through. It wasn't my best friend, but that can change everything in the way you view life. And right. It's like the world under you kind of just moves. Mm-hmm. So your constant was basketball. Right. Was there ever times when like basketball wasn't enough to kind of keep you well headed? Or yeah, of course. I mean, there's there's yeah. times where you just can't you can't escape it. Yeah. It is what it is. That's that's people don't understand that that life. To me, I think now that I'm in a great spot mentally and emotionally and, and spiritually that I didn't realize just how important that is to do what I do at a high level yeah. and do it consistently, yeah. you know, because there's going to be days where you're up and down and, and it, you never know what's going to happen. But I think that going through that and trying to deal with that was, you know, the toughest part of what I did. Um, and I think it made me better, I'm a better person. It, it made you realize that, you know, no matter what it looks like at the end of the day, from outside, it's more about your happiness and, and what you're trying to do to accomplish each day and, and, and kind of reach your end goal that way. It's a crazy perspective builder, at least for me it was. Um, is there anything that now that you've talked about, like you have a holistic approach almost it seems like to what you do now. A lot of what I talk about is that it's like you can't be good at what you do if all the other boxes aren't kind of at least in order. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that is a something that you do to kind of maintain that now or is it almost just a... No, you I, got shook to your core. It sounds right. like, and then now that's your baseline. Well, I think for me, you know, I grew up in a in a home that was, you know, we we would go to church every Sunday. You know, we I went to a Lutheran grade school, yeah. almost went to a Lutheran high school. Yeah. You know, my I have, was the youngest sibling, so we were always around that. Um, but I think that when you're going through something tough like that, especially a divorce and whatever it might be, or you split up, it doesn't matter what it is. The initial reaction is to blame the other person, yeah. right? You want to you want to deflect blame and you want to make it seem like it's not you're not the one at fault. So I think that me getting away from my core values of of God and Jesus and, and being spiritual with with who I am, um, I think once I took a step back and realized as the man in the relationship, it was my job to keep us center with with our beliefs. So. In that sense, once I realized that I didn't do my part with that. So that, for me, I don't ever have regrets. That's my thing. I, I go through life and, and I do the best I can which, with each step. So I don't look back at the end of the day and be like, man, I, I, I should have done this or this or that. You can always look at it that way. But once I start realizing that I have to hold myself more accountable, then it, it made me a better round person, trainer, mentor, whatever it might be. Um, 
because at the end of the day, these athletes, in order for them to improve, they have to be honest with themselves first. Yeah. It can't always be the referees, the coach, the system, my teammates. It, yeah. At some point, you got to look at what are you doing? Yeah. You know, it's extreme ownership. Yeah. So with extreme ownership and the work that you do, I can see that it's easy to get tied up into uh, your player's success. Mm-hmm. And do you, where's that line between taking ownership for... Or like taking, you know, this is my fault or it's not my fault, not having regrets, but moving forward with your players, where's that line to like, I've done the best I could do and what, what happens now is his or hers, right. you know, it's in their shoes. Like, where's that line? Well, um, you know, I tell my players all the time, a lot of the players I work with now are extremely gifted, yeah, right? They're going to end up in the NBA or WNBA, whether they are trained by myself or by my grandma, you know? Like their, their elite level got them there. Yeah. My thing is, how do we get them to their peak quicker and how do we keep them at their peak longer? So as long as we're working on the right things and that goes back to preparation is we're not reinventing anything, right? There's a, there's a ton of blueprints out there. What does this specific blueprint look like for this certain player, right? Not everyone's the same. So for me, I have a supreme belief in, in what I do and how I prepare that once we go through our entire off season of, of what we're trying to accomplish, once they get to the year, I've gotten to the point where I'm, I'm relaxed. That's I know nice. what we worked. Yeah, I know what we worked on was the right stuff. Now, there's times where you have to help them emotionally through different things or, or make them still believe in themselves. If they start losing their confidence, then it's a whole other issue. How do you get that self-belief, man? That's something from the outside looking in. I, it seems like you just have a way, like a presence about you. And I'm like, dude, this guy just popped out within the last couple of years. Right. And here he is working with some of the best players in the world. But you have a complete conviction about everything that you do. And that's something that I admire. Right. You know, it's trying to make your, yourself in a space, anybody, it requires a sense of conviction that what I'm doing is the right thing to be doing. Like, where well, did that come from? You know, it's funny because, so my dad and my mom, they own a mortgage business. Mine too. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. So <laughs> that was always, that was always in my back pocket. I always thought I was going to end up doing that, um, which is like literally from like the age of 10, 10 on. And I was like, all right, this is what I'm going to be doing. And I was like, mortgages are boring. I don't want to. But in the Horrible. But I didn't realize I was preparing myself for this current role I'm in from the time I can remember, because there were three players that I watched over and over and over again. And right when I was growing up, and this is gonna date myself a little bit, is when DVR like first came out, right? It's like, oh my God, you can pause it, you can rewind. I took advantage of that more than anyone because it was Steve Nash, it was Darren Williams, and it was Kobe Bryant. And those were the three I watched over and over and over. Two of my three right there. Yeah. So I just kept rewinding, rewinding. I go out and I literally stand up in our living room and work on the footwork without a ball. I looked like I had issues. That's right? some high level stuff. Yeah. And then I'd go out on the driveway and I'd work on it. I didn't realize that me, I just, I just looked at the game a different way. Yeah. And, and doing that from a young age and learning that, I didn't realize that's what I was gonna end up doing forever. Um, so I think it's, it's more so confidence that I've always looked at the game in that sense. So yeah. it's like, yeah, I've only been working out players for five years, but I've been training myself and along with my dad, he trained me as well. I've been doing this since I was 10, you know, so now we're talking about 20 years now. So that's the way I look at it. That's I, where you know, that's where it all comes from. Man, tell me, let's talk about Steve Nash real fast. Yeah. Just because I'm a fan for Steve Nash, man. And I feel like Kobe, you know, everybody talks about Kobe. Darren yeah. Williams was awesome. 
What was the what's some what are the main things that you learned from Steve Nash? This guy's one of my favorite players. I modeled my game after him being a smaller white point guard. Yeah. Enough. Unathletic. I'm like, I can do that, whatever right. that is. I think it was his deception of how to come off ball screens and how did he get to his spots every time. Because for me, again, being a white point guard and not <laughs> usually overimposing athletically from the guy that I'm gonna be facing yeah. up every night, right. you have to learn those little tricks. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this guy was a two time MVP. When, you, when you're picking teams at recess, you're, he's probably not coming off the board at number one, right? Yeah. So how did he get to where he is and how was he so efficient with everything he did? So it was just trying to look at little stuff. Not like, oh, that was a dope move, but like, how did he get to that point to get this guy off balance? That's the way I think of it. It's like, okay, what did he do initially to get him on his heels? Then what was the point where he knew he had to do this? So that's just like with Steve, and every every guard and every player, that's kind of the way I view things. It's yeah, you're you're on a different level. I would see it as like, oh, that's an, that's a beautiful hesitation move. I can add that. Right. Hesitation is such a big part of what I used to do, and but you would start with even before that move even developed. Mm-hmm. Yep. I even look at him now, man. Like even how he used to sit on the bench was like some higher level stuff. Like I'm in the mind body stuff, and yeah. and how even chairs can really screw up our, our hips and ankle mobility. He yeah. would just be laying on the floor, so he was ahead of his time, man. Oh yeah. But um pivot a little bit so you're, you're training some of the best players in the world give me like a brief synopsis man how did you become an NBA skills trainer you were working on your footwork in the driveway way before you should have been <laughs> yeah so how did it evolve my journey is different it's crazy so um, my freshman year at UMKC I went to UMKC University of Missouri Kansas City um, my college roommate is Kirk Corver Kirk was my best friend and he's who passed away a couple years ago um, Kirk's older brother's Kyle Korver plays currently for the Bucks. He just got picked up by the Bucks. So Kirk and I grew extremely tight. Um, had no idea that was what I was going to do, but we maintained our really tight relationship. And then fast forward, um, I went and played in Germany a year. And I started. I came home and I worked with Drew Hanlon, and Drew currently trains a lot of guys like Joel and B, Jason Tate, and Bradley Beal. He grew up in St. Louis with me, so I actually asked him just to train me for a workout, just to steal some stuff and ideas and he kind of presented me with this idea of him wanting to add trainers and, and build up this company now known as Pure Sweat. So I was like, all right, yeah, I'll do it. So I came home, uh, got home in mid-March from playing in Germany um, and then started training kids and really, really enjoyed it. And I thought like, I think I can do this at a really, really what high level. What did you enjoy about it? Um, I think for me, I reached my peak, right? I, I filled up in terms of potential-wise, I got to where I wanted to go. Yeah. I knew I wasn't going to be an NBA player, but I played at the highest level I thought I could have. Yeah. And at that point, I was I was ready for a new challenge, and I was ready to help players now get to their goals. Um, so once I started doing that, I kind of decided pretty quickly I'm done. I'm done playing because I was training from eight to three every day, and then I would train myself for three hours after that, and I was just exhausted. So I went through that for a month and a half before I finally decided. I can just do this. And I think if I start this sooner, I can get to the top a little quicker. Um, so once I started doing that, um, Doug McDermott, who was close with the Corvers, he was my first NBA client to give me a shot. And people don't realize like, oh, he just started with NBA guys and he was paid all this money and it was amazing. And then he got so-and-so and so-and-so. It doesn't work like that. For me, I had to pay my dues. So like with Doug, I said, listen, you're on your first contract. This was after his rookie year, the Bulls. Don't pay me until you get your next contract. Did the same thing with Bobby Portis. Don't pay me until you get your next contract. How long was that? Three years. Wow. I worked for free for three years. They, now, 
they offered to pay multiple times, but I said, my, I gave you my word, this is what it is. So don't, I don't deserve what you, any piece of what got you here right now, because I didn't help you get this. But I want to help you get to the next step. How do we get you from here to here? So I think for me it was, you know, everyone says, well, I want to do what you do. Great. Are you willing to train for free for three years? Are you willing to train grade school kids for free? Like how I started was I ran free clinics for two months straight just to get my name out there, just to, to prove that I knew what I was doing and I could, I could help each individual player get better. Um, and that's what people don't see. Now they see you know, the Kyries, the Carmelos, the Kobe's, and they're like, oh, this is dope. This is what I want to do. Yeah, I bet. There's a, lot of, there's a lot that goes into it, though. But Alex, this, this is the devil's advocate. But Alex, I have a rent, dude. I have this to do. I have yeah. that to do. What would yeah. you do? How do, so, you, how do you make ends meet, man? So there's a bunch of different ways, man. You can, you know, you can live with your parents. It is what it is, right? If, are you willing to swallow your pride and you live with your parents and build up, build up your income? So for me, once I started with those two months of getting my name out there, then I started having players that were consistently paying in the area. Now that allowed me to pay for travel, to pay for meals on the road. Um, I would usually stay with my players, so I might crash on the couch or... If need be, go grab a hotel room. But um, a lot of it was just built up through my local players and my local academy. So we went from the first year having 60 kids, the next summer having 150, and then the third summer when it was really rolling, we had 240 players that were training year round. And there was just it was literally eight to eight every single day. So in the meantime, it was just do what you had to do. Yeah. But it sounds like uh, as you were talking about it, you're like I'm going to go with this because I might be able to get to the top faster if I start now. Yeah. So that's something that interests me with someone that has quote unquote, you know, success. I put parentheses because it's such a cheesy term. Yeah. But like, there was a thought process to it. A lot of people, you know, say I would have never imagined I was, I'm doing what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. Was that kind of your, your state or was it more like I'm going into this with hopes that I'll eventually be working with someone like <laughs> Kyrie and all yeah. this? No, I mean, you never, you never really imagine that you're going to be working with the, literally the top. Right, you don't. It doesn't matter. You can say what you want. It doesn't matter how confident you are in yourself. But to get here this quickly, I think, um, is more of a testament of my patience. I didn't video. I didn't take pictures of every single player that I work with that walked in the door to try to use someone's name to build myself up. That's I just, what I, liked about you. I just was trying to be as patient as I could, yeah. build relationships, Quiet. do things the right way, stay low key. Um, and then everything works out in the end. I'm a big believer in you put in the right work, you treat people the right way. At the end of the day, God's going to put you in, in positions to kind of show whether you're good enough or not. And that's what my thing was, is if I can just get in the door, then it comes down to whether I'm good enough or not. But I want to give myself a chance to get that opportunity. I'm inspired by that, man. And just hearing you waiting three years with some of those clients to kind of even get paid. Mm-hmm. And I keep coming back to confidence, man. Like you just had this sense of confidence because of the time that you put in. Yeah. Well, and also you have to earn trust, you know. And so much what you do is built off relationships. I've heard you say that before. Yeah. And and I'm sure this market is very easy for people to have the players be aware that like, I can tell that you're trying to build a relationship with me. Every trainer is being like taking pictures of who they're with, right. like you said, promoting that, which I understand. I'm mm-hmm. in the I'm in the marketing media space, but to what extent, or how do you make sure that relationship is genuine? How do you make sure that? you're felt with the players and you don't come off as I'm just acting genuine so that you XYZ for me. Well, you know, for me, it's just being honest. You know, 
you're <laughs> it doesn't matter what you say right but it's more about how it's perceived and how they whether they feel it or not yeah so for me i could be as completely dead honest with everyone i know or everyone i come across and there could be one or two people are like nah he's full of it and there you have no control over that so all you can really do is say for me how do i help you right so carmelo how do i help you what do you need from me what are your goals dope those are mine now you know what i mean so it's like trey what are, what's your goal this year man tell me what it is and now let me help you get there because that for me it's like everyone's different everyone has different things that push them everyone has different trigger points in terms of how to get the most out of them how to um kind of build their confidence you know what they like what they don't like what you can get away with in workouts what you should stay away from um and it's getting to know the person i can't train or i can't help someone get as good as they want to get if i don't know them individually because then I don't know how they tick, right? How do you kind of get to know them? Um, it's just every, it's just little talks, yeah. you know, and we, and we might go grab dinner and then just be real. Like, okay, well, why did you struggle in this scenario, right? What, did, what about this game put you out of your comfort zone? And here's what the, the biggest thing is, is what I always ask my athletes is, if you were put in a scenario that would make you the most uncomfortable, what would it be? Because a lot of players have a lot of pride, right? Like nothing. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. No, that's not true. That's not true. What is it? That's a great. You know? So it's like once you start peeling back all that and once they feel like they can tell you anything, whether it's the relationship, whether it's their homies, whether it's their agent, whether it's the game, I'm just here as sometimes you just got to be a sounding board. Because, yeah. you know, I went through it. There's times where I'm frustrated. I want to talk about the game. There's other times I don't want to talk about anything. I know what I did wrong. I want to move on. I don't want to think about it. So it's like once you understand whether to, hey, hit them up right away after the game or let's give them 48 hours to kind of sit back and relax and get away from everything. That's cool. You've developed this intuitive, empathetic ability. It's very, I'm all into psychology and the mind and all that kind of stuff. So what you do sounds like it's a lot of working with people's minds. Yeah. Is it kind of... Are NBA players as you know as human as maybe oh. people don't want to think they are? Yeah. I, it's easy to think you know Trey Young. You know you can you can take all the the heat. But I was just reading an article uh, this morning. There's all this mental like NBA just announced that they'll be bringing on you know mental health experts to every team. Yeah. And I so I did some research and one of the first things that popped up was this article about how Trey Young, you know one of your clients, he had so much people just like the whole country turned on him when he became came to the league you know everybody loved me mm-hmm. now I'm, everybody's trying to talk shit and tell me that right. I'm too small I'm not good enough like all this how much of what you do is, is dealing with that kind of stuff <laughs> well I mean that's what that's what I tell my players all the time like the the more success that you accumulate and build yeah. it's you have a ton of hate that's following right because everyone's trying to pull you down in it it might not even be about you. A lot of times it's about the person that's coming after you, right? You know how that is. So um, a lot of it is just trying to stay off social media as much as you can because that can, that can turn into a whirlwind of creating self-doubt for no reason. It's a lot of opinions of people that don't really matter. Um, so I've gotten to the point personally to where it's, you know, I enjoy your company. I might enjoy being around my family or my parents. or it, it, At the end of the day, it's like, my my opinion of what I want to do and the way I want to do it and the path I want to take, that's me, right? I'm not going to let anyone else, what they might think about it, dictate my actions. 
because I'm a, I'm a big believer in there's one person that's going to judge me at the end of the day. He ain't here, yeah. right? Yeah. So for me, it's, as long as I, I'm living by that and, and going by my own morals, everyone else is going to kind of fall in line and they might think where they may. You know, it, I can't control that, so I'm not going to try to. I really like that. And so you try to... Uh try to shed that to your to your clients a little bit and say hey maybe get off social media <laughs> for me i share so much of the things like this conversation will be shared on social media and it's such a powerful tool to learn and connect but then also it can be very toxic so i I've, I've had to set up things where i just like am not on it for most of the hours of the day because right. like you said it's this comparison game i can look up alex and be like oh i thought i had a great day but here's alex training with Kyrie. what am i doing yeah well and that's, I used to be bad at that because I felt like I want to do this at the top level. And then I see other people doing it. And it's like, man, what, why am I not there right now? And then, like, then it becomes toxic. And then it leads into other parts of your life. So for me, it was, let me control what I can control. Right? Let me, let me go out of the way to make sure I'm doing each step by step by step by step. Don't skip it. Because there's parts of it of saying no like when when people i would get no's all the time like i'll reach out to clients i'll reach out to agents and they're like no nah, we're good we don't think you're you're right for them yeah. and that's good with me you know because i now that that builds another competitive fire in me to where it's like mm. all right we'll see wow. we'll see so I like that, yeah you gotta you gotta balance it you know some yeah. players might go on there and they might see all the negative talk and it fuels them mm. right and, and because you did that it seems like you like you didn't take any shortcuts like you're following your compass and because of that, do you think when you had maybe your first client or your big, your first huge client, that that also was a level of not having doubt? Because the question I had coming in was like, did you ever deal with like, have you heard of imposter syndrome? Like, who yeah. am I to be doing this? Right. Did you like, it sounds like because you took that approach, because you had that mentality, imposter syndrome maybe didn't have the room to squeeze in because you know, I put in the steps, you know, it took longer than maybe I thought. Right. No, I think it was, it was trying to, it was trying too hard. So for, with my first client being Doug, I was trying too hard to make sure he was happy or I was doing things the right way or I was making sure that, yeah. that he was enjoying what it doesn't. You know, for me, it's like once I started treating my NBA players the way I'd treat a fifth grader that walked in the door, that's when my success or success, whatever you want to call it, really like it went off because it wasn't, it wasn't about, oh, this is, a, this is an all-star. No, it's just that this is another human being that I need to help that they're coming to me for guidance for. So how do I get them from point A to point B? Um, so yeah, once I stopped caring about who it is I was training from like a macro standpoint, then, then it helped me become a better trainer and, and it made my relationships with my athletes grow even higher because I don't care about all that stuff. You have no idea how much this is translating to me. I'm like, my gears are turning, how this can apply to so many aspects of my life. But that's the cool thing about basketball or training. You can talk about this, and I'm applying it to so many different things in my life. I have one uh, question. You know, like, you got a text from Kobe Bryant. Yeah. You got a call from Kobe Bryant, and you yeah. denied it. Tell me about that. Um, so it was interesting. So my girlfriend, my still my current girlfriend, this was two years ago. We went, or a year and a half ago, we went down to Huntington Beach. He's a big UConn fan. She, Nafisa was at UConn at the time. So he asked her to come down and work out in front of the girls, in front of his sixth grade team at the time. So we went down there and I trained her for about an hour and they were, it was literally just Kobe and his team watching. And for me, being a Kobe fan growing up, I was probably more nervous than she was. Yeah. Um, so I'm putting her through a full workout, we get done and you know I got to talk to him for about 30 minutes and 
what you don't think about, like think about who was the person that you followed growing up, whoever it might be. I was more worried that he was going to be a jerk and then it would cloud my entire like childhood would be ruined because of it. But he was awesome. He was just the opposite. He was open. He was asking any questions. He was great with Nafisa, with myself. And we had a couple guys there helping and took pictures. I thought that was the end of it. So fast forward a month and a half, I get a call from Newport and I usually don't answer numbers. I don't know. Newport beach declined. Like five minutes later, shoots me a text. Hey, this is Kobe. Give me a call when you can. I didn't have his number, obviously, but Nafisa did. So I text her, I'm like, hey, is this who I think it is? And she's like, yep. So, of course, give it about 10 minutes, keep it cool, call him back. Um, so he's like, yeah, I want you to come down and, and train my daughter's team for this weekend. And so ever since then, we've obviously grown extremely tight, and I've been working out his, his daughter and their team for a year and a half running now. Really? Yeah. Do you continue to learn from him, kind of, oh, in a different sense? Every, every single time. I knew I I think I learned something new every single time I'm with them and a lot of it is just predicated on me being a nerd and asking questions and he's he obviously thinks at an entirely different level than most people and I think he enjoys those conversations because it gets him back into yeah this is what I know this is what I love Um, so we kind of get to bounce ideas off each other I think being around him has made me a better trainer not for my pros in a standpoint, but more so for my younger players because that's who I deal with all the time when I'm around him. And he said, think about when a young athlete or a young, sorry, a young, a young person, a young kid is trying to learn a new language. They can pick it up much quicker than someone like you or I because their brain's still developing. He said, so in a sense of basketball training, instead of trying to dumb everything down and keep it simplified for a younger player, obviously they need fundamentals, but let's throw the kitchen sink at them. And let's see how much they can absorb and sync up. And it's crazy because now that I've started doing that for a year and a half, I can see his team and his players have grown so much more than even a, like a player at the NBA or NBA, WNBA level. They're going to skyrocket here and a player in the NBA or WNBA is going to be going here because their brain, from a sense, is almost maxed out in terms of development. So it's going to take them much longer of a route to get there than the seventh grade girls. you think that's the trajectory of kind of how the sport's going right now is that these kind of high-level moves and high-level trainers just start going to reach the younger demographic? That's the goal. I mean, the goal is... It seems like the game's progressing really fast. Yeah. From my well, the goal is to make sure everyone's training the right way. Yeah. And I think with, with Kobe backing it and now with the athletes that I'm training that I just show they're working on, it's nothing crazy, but it's, it's all simplified footwork and everything has a purpose. So if they see a player like Trey or a player like... Candace Parker working on a move and now there's a 10th grader that's watching it on Instagram like oh I want to try that instead of trying to juggle eight tennis balls and throw frisbees and throw on you know it, it's gotten a little bit out of hand from that sense so I think and it's getting back to the fundamentals while incorporating the difficult moves that everyone can learn I don't care how old you are so you said you nerd out with Kobe yeah do you, uh, what else do you nerd out about man what are you super curious about what are some fields or like aspects of the game or even beyond the game that that you um, can't learn enough about. Does anything come to mind? <laughs> I don't know because my life is so... Nafisa gets on me a lot because it's all I ever want to talk about. Like I'll go to the gym, I'll be there, and then I'll come home and then I'm just sitting there thinking about, man, what about this move with this player that I can do? I wonder if they're going to pick that up right away. I have a, you had a caption that I found super interesting. You said, like, imagination is the f- basis of something. Do you remember that? 
I don't know. I, I throw out a lot. <laughs> I throw out a lot of quotes. I don't know. But imagination. What are you just saying? Like you yeah. go home and just imagine this kind so of stuff. So here's in. I wouldn't have expected that from you because you're such a low key vibe. Yeah. So. But you're creative. Yeah. For me, I've and this is how I've grown as well. Is you can't put players like this in a box all the time. Yeah. You know their their creativity and their imagination within the game is always going to be what makes them great. The game is very instinctual. And that's where I'm trying to get my athletes to understand is, okay, let's work on these things, but don't be a robot about it. If you feel like you need to want to try something different, do it. Just react and play. I want to build up your foundation, and then I want your talent to take that foundation and branch off however you feel like it should, right? So, you know, just, just having players constantly think about, okay, well, what if this happens? Well, then you got to figure it out. Well, what if this happens? Okay, well, then you could try this. So it's constant read and react, problem solve, on the move, you know. And I think that's what makes a lot of the players I work with great is because they're so instinctual with it. Is there anyone that stands out to you that almost, like, surprised you in any way? Like, I mean, I'm just so curious about, like, Trey and Kyrie specifically being an ex-point guard. Yeah. Did anything about them surprise you about their process, about how they show um, up? About No, I, I think that... Were you blown away by their attention to detail? Yeah, I think... Like well, Kai is at another level than Trey in terms of his maturity. He's been through a lot more stuff than Trey has. Trey's still... He's still learning, and he's... A lot of it's just going to come with, with going through seasons and going through games where he's gaining that experience. And, yeah. and Kai's kind of been through everything. Right? He's been in NBA Finals. He's been through injuries. He's dealt with adversity. He's dealt with a new system. He's dealt with a new city. And Trey's still getting entrenched in all that. And how is that dealing with uh, someone like Kyrie who's been through so much? How do you still connect to him as a trainer and be like, I can still help you? Um, I, think I, I can see being Kyrie and being like, what are you going to do for yeah, me at this point? Well, I'm, I'm an all-time. We've, we've talked about that. We're talking about, you know, in terms of the most skilled players ever. He's probably yeah. on one hand, yeah. right? Maybe on two fingers, right? So what do I do to help him? Yeah. So then it becomes less of, here's my opinion, here's the facts. So then I can lay out facts to him. Here's what you're not doing. Here's what you're doing well. Here's what you're not doing well, right? So then it's like, how do we, how do we make this all, all around complete? And then it's having a conversation with him again about being real. It's like, well, what do you want to improve? What do you feel like you're missing? So then it's like a balance of both. Because at the end of the day, every player knows it doesn't matter how, how talented you are. You, you, might, you need someone there that's watching over because you can't see what you're doing. Yeah. You can't see if your footwork's right or if your balance is where it needs to be or if your release point's where it needs to be. So even Tiger Woods, he's had a caddy every tournament, right? Yeah. You need that secondary help and reinforcement too. That's true. Um, it doesn't matter what level player you are. Yeah. Um, so I think of the fact that a player like Kyrie and a player like whoever it might be, um, they put their personal ego aside to reach their end goal, right? You don't wanna, like I said before, you don't wanna have a regret. It's like, man, I had so much pride where I wouldn't let anyone help me. And maybe I missed out on a couple rings or maybe I missed out on, on this or that. So then it's like, at the end of the day, I did everything I could. Now I can live with what happened. Do you have anybody like that for you? Like you can't, I like that because I tell myself that too. It's natural for me to want to put my head down and do everything myself. Yeah. So I love the quote, you can't see the forest from the trees. Mm-hmm. Do you have anybody that's keeping an eye out for you? Like, hey, this is where you're at because where you're at is such a unique space, you know? Yeah. So there's not a lot of people. Well, you can't, 
I mean, it doesn't matter what you do. You can't get there by yourself. I don't care how talented you are. Um, so I think it's not so much from a, a work standpoint of needing help, but just times where I need to vent. So, or times where I might need business help, right? So my dad, I, he's ran a business and he's been someone I'm tighter with than anyone in terms of that level of conversation. So he's, a, I'm always bouncing ideas off of, and it's someone that I can, like, let, you know, I'll be honest with you. If I get a call tomorrow from, it doesn't matter who it is. It could be Kevin Durant. It could be Kawhi Leonard. I'm going to call my dad right away because it's, it's still cool. It doesn't matter what level you get at. Like, dude, it's still, you have to take a step back and say, damn, what I'm doing is really cool. And it's, it's funny. We talked about this. It talks, we talked about this the other day, uh, myself and Derek, who's now doing all my business stuff. <laughs> we, we had to talk about, man, it's grind week. And we're like, is it really grind week? Like, you know, there's people out in 100 degree weather doing construction. We're in an air conditioned gym. We were complaining that we had to walk to the car and it was like 90 out and we, the AC wouldn't crank up quick enough. So like, yeah. it's, it's all about perspective. But I think to go back to your question of who's there to, to help me, my biggest sounding board is Nafisa. And she helped me a lot. Yeah, that's my girlfriend. So she's helped me a lot through. She was there because she was a client originally. And I moved to New York right after my divorce because I wanted a fresh start. Yeah. Um, I wanted to build my business there and, and kind of do things the right way and get things from the ground up from NBA standpoint. And Connecticut being two hours away, I would drive to there. I would train her. I would drive back. So we started going to dinners and talking because she really helped me through my, my tough time of I was extremely depressed. Like I would sit in my hotel room. I would cry. I would, you know, question where I was as a person spiritually. How old are you at this point? Um, 26 and a half. Yeah. yeah. So it was, man, it was, it was tough. And, and having her through that, um, it's now everything that falls onto my plate. She's usually the one that has to deal with it. And a lot of people don't understand um, because she's only 22 or 23. Um, I should know that, but I know her birthday. So that's all that really matters, right? <laughs> So she's, in terms of age level, she's where I am, if not even a little older in terms of maturity level. So yeah. just having her is, has helped me with, with everything aside from basketball. Um, I could see that you'd be the type maybe to be, like you said, go home, think about this all the time, all the time, yeah. always piecing it together. And for me, I'm, I'm naturally that way. So I have to train myself to let things go sometimes or turn off at a certain point. Right. It's tough. Do you have a... A thing that you do or is it that sounds like she almost acts as your escape sometimes she yeah. acts as your like I can breathe now I can relax right. well, is that important for you in your yeah, process I mean I got I was so entrenched in what we were doing from a business standpoint 24-7 that once I went through my divorce I realized that again looking back at myself I've got to do things differently like it's not that's not on her that's on both of us what did I do that could have been better so now with Nafisa, it's like, okay, I have to delegate. I have to be willing to give up some control. And I'm a control freak, within like your, you are, within, your business. within my business. Yeah. So I have to, that's why, you know, Dave's doing what he's doing. He's rocking out. I got Derek that's taking over all my business in terms of St. Louis, emails, facilities. So I can go home and I can get back and I can relax and I can FaceTime Nafisa for an hour if I want to or if I can give her a call or we can go to a movie or we can watch Netflix. It doesn't, or I can go travel and see her on a weekend. And before I wouldn't have done that because I'm, I was so worried about my business. Mm. Um, but I've gotten to the point where the people that I'm with trust me. 
and the people that I'm around are good people and everyone's looking out in the best interest of each individual client. So now, you know, I, I have the luxury of, of getting away from all that and kind of doing what I want to do. I'm excited for that day, man. I'm excited yeah. to start delegating because I'm, I'm reading this book called Deep Work and uh, it even says that they've measured people who, you know, are somewhat checking in with their work even in downtime hours. Yeah. And then they measure their your, their productivity the next day and it's those people that often can just kind of stop things even for just a couple hours it absolutely affects like your cognitive ability the next day so your ability to unplug and to delegate to david here yeah. and whoever else actually helps probably your ability to do your job right where, where it matters most well i mean we had a big conversation the other night with our whole like we're calling this like our team yeah. like our team it's not me this is our team like how do sure. we all get to where we want to go yeah. um so you know having all these guys around me it, it just makes me it puts me in a better spot emotionally and then I can you know I can go to church on Sundays and I can think about what the message was how does that pertain to my life how does how do I get one person to learn from this message this week that all of a sudden now they might tell someone or they might tell someone so now it's like you know my job on this earth isn't I wasn't I wasn't put here to train basketball players right I was put here to spread his word and to take others up there with me by the time I'm done. Mm. So once I got back to that level of focus, um, I think it, it just made me happier and it made me more confident and made me more secure. Because at the end of the day, I don't care if I'm training or doing mortgages or, you know, it doesn't matter or doing construction. It doesn't matter at the end of the day. You know, my number one goal is to get there. Mm. So... Um, everything else is just icing on the cake for me. Yeah. And for me, I got to put myself in the right position to, everyone's got goals. Everyone wants to do certain things in their life and I'm very goal oriented. Um, but not getting a client isn't going to ruin my day, right? Or if someone decides, nah, I, I need to do something else. I need to work with someone else. That's not going to ruin my day. So what are some of your goals? Seems like I'm, I'm from the outside, you know, I'm like, dude, what kind of goals must you have, you know? Yeah. Like, you've done it. You're training Kyrie Irving, you're training, training Trey Young, some of the best players in the world. What, what else, else could there be? So I had a conversation the other day about this. Um, I used to be to the point where, okay, at the end of this year, I want to have three NBA clients and I want to make this much amount on my academy. I want to have this many players in the academy. Now I'm to the point of the less I plan out, the more stuff that seems to roll around. Because you can plan for something, but at the end of the day, if something else comes along, then yeah. a whole wrench can be thrown into your plan. Mm. So you have to be okay with that. And I'll tell you a conversation that I've had, and this is, for me, it's more about priorities than it is about goals. What are your priorities first? So a, a dead honest conversation that I've had with Kobe, that I've had with Kyrie, that I've had with Carmelo, all these new people that have been around or new clients that have came through, I've had a conversation where I've said, listen, my number one priority is not you. My number one priority is my faith and the FISA. So those are my priorities and everything else falls in line after. And we can have a conversation about what that looks like. Um, so once you're honest with who you're across from and honest with yourself about what it is that makes you happy, and those are the two things that puts me in the best place personally. How does uh, your priorities affect your goals? Kind of like, how does that actually affect your life? Like, I can see you talking to these people and saying that, but 
what would I what was what does that mean for me you know does that mean that well, I draw a boundary between work and you yeah what does that mean no it, it just means that you have to be okay telling them no mm. right there's a lot of people that aren't comfortable telling a player of that stature or a yeah. person of that stature no yeah. and I've learned to do it yeah. um, because you can't ple- just try to please people please all the time yeah. right it's like for me if I want to go to Minnesota and I want to see Nafisa or if she's having a tough time with whatever it is, I need to be her, there for her because she was there for me. Yeah. So having, having people around you and surrounding yourself with good people, that's why I love working with who I'm with. I don't love working with Kyrie because of how talented he is or working with Trey or working with Candace Parker or even Bobby Portis or Doug. It doesn't matter. How are they as people? That's why I enjoy being around them because they understand this life is about relationships. Yeah. And training specifically is a really special job because you really get to touch people one-on-one. Like, you get to do similar thing to this all day sometimes. Yeah. What do you like to leave people with? What do you like to – what is the encounter you like to have people walk away with? Obviously, you want to help them with their craft, which you're great at. But, like, you talk about, you know, spreading your faith and things like that. What is it that if you and I walk away from this conversation and I have something, what makes it a success to you? For me, it was – so there's two people I looked up to the most in my life. It was my grandfather and then my dad. And one of my grandpa's quotes, and I, he passed away when I was 11, but it was, it was, it doesn't matter how many points or touchdowns or home runs you hit, it's about how many times you can make someone smile throughout the day, right? So like, how are you helping that person make their life or make their day just a little bit better? Um, so it, it's just having that, that presence of, I just, I just want you to enjoy doing what you're doing because you may be stressed out about, I need to accomplish this. I need to get this many makes. I need to make sure that this is right. At the end of the day, you're in the NBA, you're in the WNBA. You're very blessed to do what you're doing. Now we can attack the other parts from there. Having that micro perspective, it seems like is a, is a theme with you. Like, you know what your priorities are, you know what the direction is. Do you have any macro like where I see myself in the next five years? Or is that, like you said, like in the beginning maybe for me, I'm in the stage where goals really help me. They help me stay focused. They help me know what I'm moving towards. But I could see when you get to a certain point that, like you said, almost a goal is almost constricting you now because the world's kind of open to you. Yeah. Do you have anything that you want to hit within the next five years or something that you see at least vaguely? No, I, I think that a lot of people – you know, fear holds a lot of people back. Like stating, here's my goal. And not just to you, but stating to everyone. A lot of people aren't comfortable saying, this is where I want to be. Because if you don't get it, well, what'd you do wrong? Yeah. Everyone knows what your goal was. Why didn't you reach it? Yeah. So again, it comes back to not worrying about what people are thinking. So it's like, for me, I'm confident saying, in five years, I want every single player in the world to have access to what I'm doing. Even if I'm training an NBA or WNBA player, they have the right to get better off what I'm teaching. They have the ability because this connects everyone in the world, right? So we have to take advantage of this. How can I help a kid in the Philippines or help a kid in Asia or help a kid in Germany? How do I help that kid get better today? So, and because I know, again, I know what we're doing is right. I know that it gets results. So how can I reach this kid and help him get to the, the goals he wants to get to? Yeah. You're preaching, man. So what do you recommend, say, to me, someone who maybe has a little 
hesitancy to claim my, my goals with such conviction? What would, what would you say to me? So here's my favorite story, and I'm going back to my, my, my grandpa. And for me, it's about what do you know? What do you know more than anything else? Yeah. I know that what I do is, is why I'm here. What I'm doing is the right thing because of the level I've gotten to and the quickness I've gotten to it. But my grandpa, so this is the last, his last day on earth. And him and my grandma were together forever since the time that she was, I think, like 17. Um, wow. So he, was, he had a heart attack and he was going through troubles. And the paramedics were trying to get his attention. And, and my grandma was like, Chet, can you hear me? Chet, can you hear me? Wouldn't respond. Chet, can you hear me? Wouldn't respond. And this is the last thing he ever said to my grandma. She goes, Chet, do you know who I am? And he looked at her right in the eye and said, you're my wife. So over anything else, he couldn't, that's the only thing he knew 100% factual, that's my wife. And for me, it's like, what do you, what do you want to do? What are you great at? What do you feel like your purpose is? This is my purpose. Over anything else, I know that this is my purpose. And once you're confident in that, everything else falls in line. Man. I got the chills. <laughs> that was a hell of a story, dude. Yeah. That's something I'm taking home right now. I'm going home, getting my pen and paper, and journaling about this. It's crazy how much your story. I didn't. I didn't know because you know we're different paths, but I'm taking a lot personally for myself. Yeah. I'm 24. Yeah. What's a piece of advice? Assuming you would change nothing, there's no regrets. Right. I believe in that. Mm-hmm. What's a piece of advice you would give yourself at age 24? Patience. That's the that's my number one word still to this day because it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard because now that I've accumulated the clients and the the following on social media and people saying, "Oh, you're amazing. Oh, you're the goat. Oh, you're." The, and it's like, how do I be patient? Because it's not where I want to be. Mm-hmm. So I don't need you to tell me that I'm great at what I do. I don't need you to tell me I'm the best at what I do. I want to keep growing within day by day by day. Mm-hmm. Don't skip a day. Because then someone else that's hungry is going to pass me up. Is that something you needed to know at 24? Or wish you had on more of a visceral level? I think more of more so, yeah. I think it's just understanding that it's all going to come in time. You're not going to add 10 NBA players in a year. Let's, how do you get one? What's your connection? How do you help them get better? Do a good job with them for two or three years. Then see what happens. So it's just being patient with the domino. A lot of people think like the dominoes. All these 25 dominoes in a row, and as soon as you hit one, they all go falling at the same time. That's not how life works. You might have one domino that falls, and then all of a sudden, it keeps shaking on the table, and then a year later, the next domino all of a sudden falls. And then all of a sudden, two dominoes fall. And all of a sudden, now, it starts picking up. So it's like getting everyone to understand that it's, it's, we're here for a while, right? There's no reason to rush it. Yeah. Um, so that's the way I've lo- always looked at it. And what I'm taking is like... It can be easy for that first domino to fall, and you maybe don't know that the shape, table's shaking. Yeah. And it, if you don't know what you said before, like, who are you? Yeah. What do you know? Then it can be easy to be like, was that the right domino? Right. Am I, or should I be over here in this domino? Yeah. But I love that you preface this question by saying, like, just know what you're good at. Know what you're at. Because yeah. that's what I'm working through. I had that question of how do I know which domino to knock over? But if I'm taking your advice... I'm really asking myself, what do I know? What am I good at? Yeah. How can I 
find my purpose and really just go with that. Well, I, and yeah, it's your your passion, your purpose. Passion. You know, what is that? Follow that. Because purpose is a scary word. Can be a scary word. Yeah. But passion. Let's start with joy. What do you really feel like you can help people with? All right. What do you? I mean, you'll naturally, and that's why jumping in on youth sports. Why are we pushing our kids towards our wants and our goals and our aspirations? Let them decide. Put them in as many things as possible and then let their passion take them where they want to go. So like my parents had me in every sport until I was eighth grade and I begged and begged and begged, please let me just play basketball. Please let me. Yeah, I got every game I get hit and I was like 98 pounds. I had a bruise all over my arm. I'm like, I'm done playing baseball. And I had to drag, my dad was the third base coach. He had me drag bun every time because I was going to get on base and then steal two. (laughs) Yeah. Come on, man. Let me just hoop. Let me hoop. So finally, like when my parents did a great job with, it wasn't what they wanted to do. Because we all like my, I had two other brothers. One played baseball and soccer. The other one ran cross country and hooped. And I had a sister that that danced. So it wasn't like, it wasn't there once. It's like, well, how do we tailor what our kids are wanting to do and how do we put them in a position to be most successful as whatever they want to do. So that I think that's something that I've really learned from them and that's inspired me to, you know, hopefully take with my future kids. Sounds like you've had some great guidance from your parents. Yeah. And there's a, there's definitely something to be said about having someone like, especially for males, I feel like a male role model is so important. I want to be cognizant of your time. What can people, um, you know, Alex Bazell, man, people find you. What do, what do you want people to know about you? First time hearing about you, who is Alex Bazell? Man, that's a hard question. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just someone that has grown love in the game and has, I've always enjoyed getting the pleasure of helping someone else. And that's always the way I, even when I was young, I always wanted to like give presents because I wanted to see people's reaction. Like I'd hand a gift and I'd be like this. So like that's always just been like how I've been wired. And I think I've used that to a point of how I built my career. Um, You know, a lot of people want to get to a certain level, but it's always about them. How do we make it about whoever you're helping or whoever you're working with? How do you help them? Then everything else falls in line after that. Um, So I think... For me, if I were to leave a room with someone, I would want someone to gain value in the conversation that we had. Like, man, I, that was a dope conversation. I can tell that person's genuine. I, I admire what they do and what they stand for, and I got a lot out of, out of that conversation. Yeah. I love that, man. I took a lot of value out of this. Is there anything that I missed that you feel like you need to be let the people know? No. No? No. no. Perfect. Nothing, man. I took a lot of value, man. And, I appreciate uh, that. I love your, your perspective. Yeah. For my audience that may not know who you are yet, they sure will soon, but where can they find you? Where, where is a project that you want them to be at? Is it the Instagram, the Academy, a little both? Yeah. Um, my Instagram, if they go there, that's primarily where all, a lot of my work is through. And then my website's attached to that so they can kind of dive in deeper and my email's on there. And so like I'm very accessible and love answering questions is I'm getting a lot more these days, but I'm really taking pride in that's why Derek's on and we're taking pride in answering as many questions as we can because it's it's about helping. Like if I can help one person and they can help another person, it's just a tree of of people helping each other. And like I said, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You know, you got to be confident. You know what you should do one time is have this guy film you. Yeah. Get the phone and for 20 minutes answer questions. Yeah. And that's videos for a while. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's easy. 
people would love that, man. I'm sure you're getting a ton of questions. Yeah. I appreciate you, man. Oh, man. That was an awesome you. conversation. Yes, sir. You're a natural. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Just a few more things before you go. If you like the podcast, please leave me a review on the Apple iTunes app. And if you really like the podcast, take a screenshot and share it to Instagram. That helps me grow the podcast organically and that really helps me just be able to say hey say thank you uh, and, and just show some gratitude to you personally for supporting the podcast if you're interested in starting a podcast of your own i get so many questions about how do i start a podcast um it's really crazy it blows my mind how many of you guys are starting your own podcast uh, so i put together some resource materials feel free to reach out to me on instagram if you're interested in getting those materials and starting your own podcast uh, i finally just put something together for you guys for all the people asking thank you again for listening to the podcast so many good stuff so many good stuff so many good things coming uh, and i appreciate and love you guys peace